Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you're blessed by this podcast, please subscribe. Once you're subscribed, you'll be able to stay up to date with all our latest messages. Now, let's join Olivier Melnick as he teaches us about the BDS movement. What is it, and how should we react to it as believers? Let's find out. A little bit uh, about uh, Olivier. He's a full-time missionary. All the support he gets is from donations and book sales, and that's pretty much it. And he's become a really, really good friend of mine. Uh, Olivier is one day older than me. He's old. That makes him old. You, oh, two days. Oh, you're, you're twice as old as I thought you were. <laughs> two days older than me. He was born in Paris, France. I was not. I was born in Los Angeles, California. That's not the same thing. Um, but what a real treat it is to have Olivier here. But full-time missionary support if you want to support his ministry. In fact, there's a clipboard, I believe, that's, that's going around the sanctuary right now. Is there a clipboard going around? There it is. It's coming down. Here comes the clipboard. So sometime during the service, it'll get passed to you. If you want to be on his newsletter, subscribe to it. Uh, you can do that. Go for it. Is it free to subscribe? You get the regular email. Because uh, I charge $1,000 for my subscription. <laughs> That's why you canceled? <laughs> Not kidding. I don't either. Mine's free also. Man, we like to have fun. But this is a real treat tonight. And also... Uh, you can get this brochure. There's some that are on the back of the clipboard, and there's also some of these are back on the table. It tells you a little bit about Olivier and Chosen People Ministries, and just a real treat. Also, one more thing. In two weeks, you and I will be in Seattle together, Friday and Saturday morning. Uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, I'll be up there with you, and then uh, I'll be back here Sunday, so, you know, so there. So, but... Uh, but I will be here on Sunday. i got to make sure you know that. We're, we're flying back home Saturday night. Uh, but with that, this is a real treat to have Olivier with us. You're going to be speaking at our conference. Why don't you come on up? Please welcome Olivier Melnick. <clears throat> well, what a treat this is. This is going to be this is fantastic. Just, I just love having you here. He is my brother. And uh, Lord, we pray for this time. I pray that you bless this night. You glorious things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And you are speaking at our conference out here. In June. In, in June, out in the Palm Springs area. Great conference. Anybody watching online, you guys here, you can check that out at Hope for Our Times. With that, Olivier, I'm turning it over to you. You're about ready to be blessed. God bless. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. I call him Junior. All right, well, it's all done in love. It's really a pleasure to be uh, back here. I always love coming here. Uh, I, I, I visit a lot of churches, and your church really, really knows what it means to love Israel and love the Jewish people. So wave those flags. There you go. There you go. You got them for something. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, uh, <clears throat> I, um, I, I speak on, on, on often on the topic of anti-Semitism, uh, and, and within that topic, in passing, I usually say maybe a few words, one slide usually, about BDS, Boycott, Divestment, and Sanction. And lately, as I, I, I'm bombarded daily with 
emails about what's going on in the world, what's going on in France, with the, 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 the cemetery being defaced in the, in, in the east side of France in Alsace, or the, uh, the statue of Alfred Dreyfus being defaced in Paris, or the uh, a Jewish philosopher in Paris that was uh, attacked on the street uh, during the Yellow Vest uh, movement, uh, uh, things that happen every Saturday since last October, and, and on and on. It's, it's every day. It's every day. And, uh, and I notice in the U.S., and even in the, in the main, mainstream news, we're starting to hear about BDS, pros and cons. And, and unfortunately, to too many people, BDS is just another acronym. They don't know what it is. I actually, if I, if I was to ask for a show of hands here tonight, how many of you have heard of BDS before? Tell me, you're doing a good job. I speak... In many churches, when I ask about BDS, I usually get maybe half a dozen hands at the most. So I felt like, okay, this is time to spend more than one slide on it. So tonight, I, I'm, I'm going to try to give you a comprehensive understanding of BDS, the Boycott Divestment Sanctions, in the time that we have. Uh, and, and it's, um, it, like I said, it's a danger that cannot be ignored by believers. So we'll look at it, and we will... Um, let me, uh, I have a fear that maybe my scriptures, okay, yes, this was transferred and, uh, into a different format and the bottom scriptures are not going to be readable. So I apologize in advance. In advance, it was supposed to be all white, but the bottom scriptures are going to be hard to read. So bear with me. Uh, now, I want you to know, i go back to the beginning, okay, um, technology, you know, it's, it, it is what it is. We just have to deal with it. Um, uh, but I want you to know that if you sign up uh, on the clipboard and you say you put your name in email, you'll get the notes. You'll get the notes. So I sent a PDF file of the entire series, the entire uh, PowerPoint, and you don't have to take notes tonight. You'll get everything, even what you can't read tonight. You'll be able to read uh, in the notes. Uh, and, uh, and we'll figure out a way to get the notes available through email uh, for those who are watching online also, if we can figure out that. I'm sure it's not that complicated. So let me start with showing you a picture here. Uh, this, this is a picture just to set the stage. We see it's on a, uh, on a um, um, college campus, uh, university campus in the U.S. You have a, uh, a drawn uh, U.S. Um, uh, Israeli flag with a swastika with the, uh, the blood uh, dripping. Uh, just, it, it sets the stage for what I'm going to be talking about. This is going all over uh, the U.S. and the world. So uh, uh, I, I want to start, I have bookends beginning and end with promises from God. I'm going to start with Zephaniah to give you a promise to start, and I'm going to end with many promises. The promise I'm talking about here in Zephaniah, and I, I put the, the verse in yellow uh, just to kind of pull it out. In the context of the end times, uh, you know, those who are going to go against Israel, you know, God says, behold, I am going to deal at that time with all your oppressors. God promises that he is going to deal with the oppressors of Israel, the anti-Semitic people, the oppressors of Israel from anywhere in the world, including in America. Right now, we're in good standing with Israel. This administration is very friendly to Israel, and this is good for the time being. Amen? Uh, but even America is going to turn against Israel. Now, how do we know that this promise stands firm? Well, we know this because the Word tells us that God is not going to change and that His Word doesn't change. In Isaiah 40 verse 8, we read, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen? Amen. 
the word, for our God, for, uh, the word of our God stands forever. So we know that this is not going to change his promise, that God is going to catch up with those who are doing harm to Israel. In the meantime, we need to do something. We can do something. So that's why I want to do. I want to share with you what's going on with, with BDS. I want to explain to you where it's coming from. I want to show you some of the players. Now, <clears throat> I'm, going to, I'm going to name some names tonight. I'm going to show you some pictures, people you know, that you might not actually know that they are anti-Israel or to at what level they are. But I want to say this from the very beginning. I am not looking for, uh, I'm not trying to do character assassination here. I'm going to show you a picture to identify somebody I'm going to identify them and then I'm going to say something basically quoting exactly their own words from a website or a link. When you get the notes, if there's something that really, really bothered you tonight and you, you really want to, I'm already getting some emails today from, from yesterday when I preached. If, some, if you want the notes, if you say, listen, you said this about that person, can you send me the link? I would gladly do that. Email me, I will email you a specific link to back up anything that I have I am sharing tonight. It's important to me when I say things like this, when I, when I put words in people's mouth, their words, and I put it together, it's important that you know that there is a source for it. It's not me making it up. So don't take my word for it. Ask me if you want the source. But um, <clears throat> I want to give you a definition of BDS, and it comes from their website. And remember, you're getting all the notes, so don't, no need to write. It's a good thing. It comes from their website. The BDS movement works to end international support for Israel, for Israel's oppression of Palestinians and pressure Israel to comply with international law. BDS is a Palestinian-led movement for freedom, justice, and equality. BDS upholds the simple principle that Palestinians are entitled to the same rights as the rest of humanity. That, it, there, there is some truth in that. That's always the danger. You know, when you have some truth and some lies, then you have to kind of sift through and figure out what is true, what is not. Then we go uh, below that. I'll read it for you because those words are all the words that you hear in the news right now and then the buzzwords that are getting people to react. Israel is occupying and colonizing Palestinian land, discriminating against Palestinian citizens of Israel and denying Palestinian refugees the right to return to their homes. This last statement is filled with lies. Every single word is a lie. And we're going to try to debunk that tonight, okay? Israel is not occupying, colonizing, denying, and discriminating. They're doing the opposite. Now, does that mean that every Jewish person in Israel is perfect? No. Does that mean that the Israeli government is perfect, squeaky clean? Of course not. Any government, as soon as you have a government, as soon as you have politics, you have corruption. I don't care where it is. I don't care when it is in history. I don't care where it is including Israel, there is corruption, there are bad people everywhere. So we don't want to, you know, I'm always cautious, especially when I, and I'm not saying this, this is a reaction I'm going to get from you, but I'm always cautious when I speak of Israel to a place where they love the Jewish people. We don't want to overreact on the side of being blinded by our love for Jewish people. Because then you, you basically just, oh, there's nothing the Jews can do wrong. That's, that's not true. But there's anti-Semitism and there is faulty politics and corruption that exists everywhere. And we have to make sure that we, we discern between the two. So this being said, uh, <clears throat> I want to give you two reasons why uh, usually given to support the BDS movement. 
two reasons that people will give you. They'll say, number one, uh, which they're both myth, by the way, and we're going to look at, we're going to debunk them real quickly. Israel is guilty of ethnic cleansing. How many of you, of you have heard that or read that or seen it on the internet? Israel is guilty of ethnic cleansing. Well, here's the fact. Ethnic cleansing or genocide is intentional organized mass murder. Intentional organized mass murder to eradicate a people group. That's what ethnic cleansing is. Does it exist in the world? Absolutely. I'll give you two examples. The Armenian genocide of the early 1900 and the Holocaust. Those were ethnic cleansing. Millions died. Ethnic cleansing, yes, those qualify. In 1947, there were about 1.2 million Arabs in British Mandate Palestine. Today, there are 6 million Arabs in the whole land, including 1.8 million in Israel alone. There are more Arabs in Israel today than there were before 1947. This is the opposite of ethnic cleansing. This is growth. So it's, it's really not that complicated to debunk. Look at the numbers. Anybody who's telling you the Arabs have been cleansed out of Israel, say, well, there's more Arabs today than they were in 47. How do you explain that? It's not ethnic cleansing. On the other hand, <clears throat> there are still less Jewish people in 2019 than there were before the Holocaust. 75 years ago, we have 15 million Jews, about 15 million Jews in the world today. That is still less than what we had before the Holocaust, which I believe was close to 18 million. That was an attempt at ethnic cleansing. Fortunately, Jeremiah 31, 35 through 37, God promised he would never destroy Israel. So we have that promise from his Bible, from his word. Myth number two, Israel is an apartheid state. You've never heard that, right? Of course you have. Apartheid was South Africa's way of keeping blacks and whites separated and as such it forbade blacks to eat in white restaurants or cafe, cafes, uh, <clears throat> attending white schools or universities, be treated in white hospitals, live in white neighborhoods or serve in white government. Israeli Arabs are full citizens, if they wish to be, who do not experience any of the restrictions that were known to South Africa. So much so that when in 2017, last time I was in Israel, uh, one of our members of our group fell in front of Damascus Gate in Jerusalem, so I had to take her to Hadassah Hospital in, 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 uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, the day, our, our, our day of return, we, I thought we were not going to go back to the States. We we're going to be stuck in Israel. It's a good place to be stuck. I mean, I'd rather, you know, could be a worse place, right? But we went to the hospital. We walked in the hospital, and the triage nurse was a Palestinian Arab. I'm going, that, wow, such an apartheid state. You know, you have to be there to really see it. I mean, you can't take my word for it. You, you can hear stories from people who've been there, who, who live there, who did ministry there, but you really have to experience it for yourself. It, it's just amazing. So it's the opposite. So this myth number two, is, 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 it's debunked. It's not true. Now, the problem is that we've heard those lies long enough. People start believing lies after you, you hear them for a while. As a matter of fact, it was, it was once, once somebody said, if you tell a big enough lie and tell it frequently enough, it will be believed. This was, uh, some of you might even know said that, but actually it's attributed to three different people. So we don't know for sure who said it, but when I show you who possibly said it, any of the three will make the point. Hitler, Goebbels, or Lenin. Not exactly your friendly guys, okay? So now I want to I raise a few questions here. 
uh, that we're going to try to answer tonight. Where does BDS come from? We're going to look at that. Historically speaking, we'll talk about a family tree. I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. You'll understand the concept of the family tree. Is BDS unbiased? Is it looking at both sides equally? You already know the answer, but I'm going to give you some examples. Is BDS anti-Semitic? How dangerous is BDS dangerous? And if it is, how dangerous is it? Can BDS, can believers fight BDS? Yes, we can. Now, I, you know, what I like to say is we need answers on, a, on anything, really. We need answers to engage with BDS proponents. If you want to engage with the culture, you know, I'm looking at all of us here. When God saved you and me, he could have done what he did with Enoch. Gone. I mean, I'd like that. I'm personally hoping that I get raptured and I don't die before the rapture. Same place, same destination. But when my wife, 36 years ago, led me to the Lord, it's the rapture that got me. I got really scared. I didn't want to be left behind. And she told me she couldn't stay. So I said, okay, I'm going. And then three months later, we got married. She would not marry me unless I was a believer. So that was 36 years ago. She led me to the Lord. But uh, what was I saying that for? Okay, so yes, we need... Um, I'm excited to be saved. What can I say? We need to engage the culture. Yeah, we're here. We're not, we haven't been raptured. We, we're still here. And you know what the problem is, with, with, especially with American Christianity? We're consumers, but we're not producers. Think about it. Listen to this. We're consumers, but we don't produce that much. We come, we listen, we read, we worship. Nothing wrong. It's all good. We need it. But when it comes to producing and, and making a difference, that's where we kind of get like, well, you know, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should, if I could, how to do it. We, we're consumers, but we need to be consumers and we need to become producers. Amen? Amen. So we need to engage with the culture. And with BDS, you're not going to engage with BDS proponents unless you know where it's from, who does it, how it's done, and, and what we can do biblically and practically. So let's keep moving. You're not listening fast enough. So where does it come from? Where does it come from? BDS became formalized in 2005 through the efforts of Mahmoud Abbas and Omar Barghouti, who is a Palestinian who actually was born in Qatar. Okay, well, you know, sure. Mahmoud Abbas, the, leader, the current leader of the uh, um, Palestinian Authority, uh, is uh, the most ethical leader who is in his 16th year of a four-year term. I'll just say this. Both of them in 2005 started the modern BDS movement. If you want to read more about it, I don't support it. I don't recommend it. But their website is, you know, bds.org, I think. Uh, <clears throat> Some say that the modern version of BDS was started in 01 in South Africa during the first conference against racism, world conference against racism, known as Durban 1 in Durban, South Africa. And then there was Durban 2 in 2009 and Durban 3 in 2011. Each conference was a conference against racism. Most of the time spent in the conference and the, the, the sessions, the main sessions, the breakout sessions, were gearing towards pointing the finger at Israel, the oppressor, the colonizer, the apartheid state, and very little was done against racism 
in the rest of the world. Some, but very little. The, the uneven, uh, uh, the way it was uneven is amazing. If you look at them online, it's amazing how much was done at that time. So some say that the modern BDS movement was born in 01. You can even go further. You can uh, also consider the 1945 Arab League boycott of the Jews and the British mandate Palestine, 1945. Now, let me stop for a second. Palestine, I've said it before from, from this pulpit. I'll say it again for the benefit of those who maybe were not here or those who listen to us online. When I use the word Palestine, there's two ways to look at the word Palestine. And as Christians, we don't want to get bent out of shape uh, when we hear the word Palestine automatically. Palestine was a word that was used by the Romans to humiliate the Jews in the first century uh, after they destroyed the temple and then they wanted to further humiliate the Jews and we're going to change the name of the country. And it stuck, okay? It was called Palestine. It was only describing a geographical area for a period of time in history. Up to the 1960s, it was not an issue. Then it became politically charged. Palestine became the Palestinian Authority, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, the Palestinian people with the Palestinian narrative. All of a sudden it becomes politically charged. When it describes a geographical area, Palestine, the British Mandate, Palestine, Palestine that's fine. I don't have a problem saying that. They were Palestinian Jews, Palestinian Arabs. That's fine. 60s, it became the political agenda, and that's when I don't use the word anymore in that context. In that context, I don't use the word Palestine because now we're starting to see lies. We're starting to see uh, invented people, invented land, and that's where, that's where we have to stop. But there's two ways to look at it, and we, we, we have to know that. So... Uh, 1945, we can even go further to 1938, November 9, 10, 1938, the event known as Kristallnacht in Germany, the night of broken glass. Kristallnacht was uh, uh, the time when there was a, um, uh, a boycott and some pogroms. I'll, I'll, I'll get back to Kristallnacht in a minute, but let's, let's look at what I mentioned earlier, the, the, uh, the family tree. What is the family tree? Well, this is a quote from um, author uh, Alan Dershowitz, who wrote this book that I recommend, The Case Against BDS. And in it, he says, BDS was birthed at an anti-Semite hate fest in Durban. Its grandparents on one side were the Nazis who organized the boycott of Jewish businesses, academics, and artists in the 30s. Its grandparents on the other side were the Muslim leaders who organized the Arab boycott of all Israeli and Jewish commerce in the years following the establishment of Israel. Its parents are the contemporary bigots who single out only Israel for boycott and seek to use the tactic to end the existence of the world-only nation-state for the Jewish people. So you've got the Nazi, Nazi grandparents, Muslim grandparents, and the contemporary bigots and anti-Semitic people that are buying hook, line, and sinker the Palestinian narrative and the BDS agenda. So <clears throat> I want to unpack this a little bit. I want to look, we're still looking at the, uh, you know, the, the source of BDS, the, where, you know, the, the, the history of it. We're going to look at German, the first set of grandparents, Germany. Uh, Nuremberg race laws of 1935 segregated Jews and stripped them from their citizenship. The Nuremberg laws define a Jew as someone with three or four grandparents. You see a graph on the screen. You see some little dots here. There was a way to define if you have one grandparent, two grandparents, and it just kind of funneled down to who's Jewish, who's not. So it would go as far as three or four grandparents that meant you were Jewish, which, of course, in the 30s in Germany was bad news. 
That's the Nuremberg race laws. Now you have the Nuremberg trials. That's good. The Nuremberg laws, bad for the Jews. Nuremberg trials, international tribunal uh, putting all the Nazi officers and leaders on trial at the end of the war. That's good. So same place in Germany, completely different agendas. Um, so the events of, 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 of the, these events, the Nuremberg race laws, where uh, they led, they, they set the stage for Kristallnacht, the night of, of, of broken glass. Another event, just a little bit after, uh, uh, after that, in October of 38, one month really before Kristallnacht, uh, German Jews had to turn in their passports to have them reissued with the stamp letter J for Jew uh, on the cover, as you see on your screen. You might see some, it's kind of hard to see, but uh, you'll, you'll get it in the notes um, on the cover and have the names Israel for male and Sarah for female added to their name. So I would become Olivier Israel Melnik on my passport with a big J if I, were, yeah, if I had lived in Germany at that time to identify them as Jews. This was known as the law on the alteration of family and personal names. This was leading to Kristallnacht. Kristallnacht, November 9, 10, 1938, a multitude of pogroms and boycotts started across Germany. 7,000 7, businesses and synagogues burnt, destroyed, almost 100 Jews killed, that was just the beginning, and 1,000 more subject to violence. It lasted more than one day, but that's the key date that got it started. By the way, on the... Uh, on the, uh, the, the left of your, uh, of your uh, screen here, the, the Yudin uh, with the Star of David painted with that white paint you put on windows, you know, to, to do drawings and, and markings. This happened in Paris last week or two weeks ago. A bagel shop in Paris had this written on the window, Yudin, just like in, 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 the, in the Nazi years. I mean, it's, and it's not just in Paris, my friends. It happens to be where I'm from, so I keep a good eye on it. Plus, I'm involved in the ministry. I'm on the board of chosen people. So I go to France a couple times a year for ministry. Uh, so I'm, it's, it's close to my heart. The, the French Jewish community is the third largest Jewish community in the world. Israel, U.S., France. Yet the French are leaving right now in large numbers. Don't get me started. No, okay, first set of grandparents. Second set of grandparents. Muslim boycott of Zionist goods. December 2nd, 1945, the newly formed Arab League, Saudi Arabia, Lebanon, Transjordan, Egypt, Iraq, and Syria, made plan to boycott Zionist goods and products. Jewish products and manufactured goods shall be considered undesirable to the Arab countries. All Arab institutions, organizations, merchants, commission agents, and individuals were called upon to refuse to deal in, distribute, or consume Zionist products or manufactured goods. In 1977, the U.S. Uh, Congress passed a law against boycott that included the boycott of Israel. You could not boycott Israel. If you were a business boycotting Israel, you would lose tax advantages, and you would be doing illegal things, and you, you would be fined. You could even lose your license. This hasn't really been enforced very well. A few days ago, the Senate passed an, a bill against BDS. So those are good things if they lead to enactment and action, but it hasn't been the case. So it's very unfortunate. Um, the, uh, what's interesting here about the Muslim boycott of Zionist goods, 1945, 
It's because of the occupation and the colonization. Wait a minute. 1945 is two years before the United Nations partition of, of, of British Mandate Palestine and three years before the, re, the rebirth of the modern state of Israel. It cannot be because it cannot be retaliation for colonization or occupation. It hasn't happened yet. Not that I believe that it's really colonization anyway. But if you want to use that logic, it hasn't happened yet. So is it... Retaliation for occupation or simply anti-Semitism? I would say the latter. It makes sense. It hasn't happened yet in history. It's not rocket science. We are going to look at a list of different people. Again, I'm not trying to do character assassination. The bottom line, my friends, is that all the people I'm listing, I don't know their heart, but my assumption is that they need Jesus. And you'll see later in, in the message around probably 9.30 tonight, you'll see later in the message, I'm serious, no, no, no. You'll see later in the message that we are to pray for enemies. I always remind ourselves of that because that's a hard part, but that's a reality for Christians, okay? So keep that in mind. But we're going to look at acti activists, politicians, universities, entertainment industry, academia, and church denominations. We're going to take a quick look at all those different categories that are active in boycott, divestment, sanction. It is a highly irrational partnership against a common enemy. A lot, a lot of those, these people have complete different ideologies on two sides of the spectrum, politically speaking or spiritually speaking, and, and yet they agree on, on the denigration and the demonization of Israel, like there's no tomorrow. So it's, it's, it's crazy. I want to introduce you to somebody you already know. But I want to introduce you to this person because it would appear that she is behind the scene and connected to a lot of what's going on in BDS more than you think. So I want you to see the thread, the connection. I think you will see it. So here is this. Uh, uh. Now remember, remember, she needs Jesus. Okay, let's not get out of hand here. I know she's not a friend of Israel, but she needs Jesus. And remember, before you were saved, you were not a friend of God. And God didn't go boo on you. Okay, so let's not get out of hand here. But here is what she said. Okay, so this is Linda Sarsour. She is the co-founder of the Women's March. She is a Palestinian-American born in Brooklyn. Okay. Uh, she's in... Okay, here is, here's a good one. She's in favor of Sharia law and is an outspoken feminist. At some point, she's going to figure it out. And I pray that she figures it out before she is fully under Sharia law. Because then I'll be too late. Somehow she's allowed to be a feminist with, a, with a, you know, a, a, the, head, the covering and, 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 and she, she's a voice. And she's very, very vocal and she is actually... Uh, listened to and uh, appreciated by many in the media, many in politics, as you'll see in a minute. And uh, so she said, we will protect our constitutional right to boycott, divest, and sanctions in this country. When you hear somebody say boycott, divest, and sanction, they don't mention Israel, it doesn't matter. It's never for anything else. Never, ever. When you hear boycott, divest, and sanction, it means Israel. It's against Israel. I guarantee you. It's never going to be for anything else. In, that she said that at uh, Women's March in 2018. 
uh, in, uh, at the convention of the uh, Islamic Society of North America, she was um, quoted saying, and I, have, I do have the links for all this, so those are her words. This scares me, I'll tell you why in a second. If you are on the side of the oppressor, do I need to explain to you what she means by the oppressor? Israel. If you're on the side of the oppressor or you're defending the oppressor or you're actually trying to humanize the oppressor, then that's a problem, sisters and brothers, and we got to be able to say that is not the position of the Muslim American community. Okay, let's, let's, let's think for a second. Humanize the oppressor. Let's, let's break this down. To humanize somebody is implying that they're not human. This is what took place during Nazi Germany. Dehumanizing the Jewish people. They're vermin, they're subhuman, they're not worth anything. If you're not human, if you're just a vermin or, or parasite, you can be destroyed. This is what was indoctrinated in the in, in, in a German people and the Vichy government in France and all the anti-Semites of the 30s and the 40s. Dehumanize the Jews. Here she is assuming they're not human. She's not, she's not trying to dehumanize. She's already assuming they're not human. As if you try to humanize them, this is very scary. This is coming from Linda Sarsour. She is revered. She is appreciated. She is invited everywhere. It's, it's very, very, very scary. So you need to be aware. If you don't know her, you need to know this name because just watch, watch out for her. Here is somebody else. Now, no booing, please. I'm just stating the facts. Um, Rashida Talib has been elected uh, to her government just recently. She is a Mich Michigan congresswoman. She says, I personally support the BDS movement. Economic boycotts are a way to bring attention to issues like racism and the international human rights violations by Israel right now. International human rights violations, excuse me, I mean, it's the other way around. But this is what she's saying, this is what people are buying. Now, interesting, Rashida Taib had no problem using the Israeli software called Wix to, uh, to build her political uh, website uh, for when she, uh, when she campaigned. She used the site. It's an it's a Israeli-built, great little website to, to, to build your own website. And she probably didn't know. I don't know what she did about that. But she was in the news about a week ago that she said, like, she doesn't care if it's Israeli. But that's the thing, my friends, with boycott. Inconsistent. She should not be using cell phones. She should not be using Intel chip computers. She should not be using uh, uh, thumb drives and on and on and on. And you will hear more about it. You might even hear more about it from Pastor Tom because he's on top of all that stuff. But the, uh, uh, the Israelis are apparently very close to finding a cure for cancer. We're looking at two to three years. Yeah, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist, but I've, I've read a lot on it. And it's real, my friends. My prayer is that none of the BDS people will get cancer. It really is true. I'm not being facetious. I pray they don't get cancer because then they're going to have to make a choice. Do I want an Israeli cure or, or not? It is so inconsistent. It's scary. So Rashida Talib, I mean, is she connected to the, to the BDS? Is she, uh, is she connected to Linda Sarsour? I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. Yes, it looks like it. It looks like it. Okay. Well, let's keep going. Please, 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 please. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, New York Congresswoman, what people are starting to see, at least in the occupation of Palestine, is an increasing crisis of humanitarian condi condition. I, first of all, when she's using Palestine, she's not talking about geographical area. 
that, okay? She was interviewed when she said that by a woman who's not necessarily a friend of Israel, but the woman kept asking, you mean the Israelis don't have right to the land? Then she kind of beat around the bush twice, and eventually, after a minute of trying to make sense, which she didn't, uh, she said, you know, I'm not an expert on the Middle East, so maybe I should just stop talking about it. <laughs> best move. That was a best move. Okay, but it's, it's, it's online, it's there. And uh, what's interesting is that she was honored to speak to and praises anti-Semitic Jeremy Corbyn, who is the uh, UK um, uh, Labour Party uh, leader. Many have, uh, from the Labour Party in UK have uh, resigned in the last couple of weeks because of Corbyn's anti-Semitic uh, position. They just they don't want nothing to do with it. Now, AOC, uh, Ocasio-Cortez uh, party, the Democratic Socialist of America, it just doesn't ring good. That doesn't ring good. The Democratic Socialist of America has endorsed BDS and called for the elimination of Israel, her own party. She has not come up front and said, hey, I support BDS. She's been careful. She hasn't said that in public, but her party voted in favor of BDS a little while ago, and there's a video of them voting and passing their... Anti, uh, their BDS uh, uh, resolution for the, the Democratic Socialist Party of America, and at the end, they're all cheering that it passed, and they all started singing, from the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free, which is the motto of the pro-Palestinian people and the Middle East people that want to push the Jews into the Mediterranean Sea and destroy Israel. You hear this, you know it's bad news. From the river to the sea, Palestine shall be free. Her party was singing that after they voted. I wonder if she has any connection with, uh, oh, wait a minute, she does. Look at this conference in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, the largest Muslim community of America, Dearborn, Michigan. The tide is changing, appropriate title. They're not even hiding it now. The tide, the tide is changing. Okay, we've got anti-Israel people in government pushing against Israel. It, it's, 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 it's happening. So it's a conference in, in 2018. The connections and the agenda are no longer hidden. Ocasio-Cortez and Linda Sarso were two of the three speakers. One more before we, uh, we keep going here. Uh, <clears throat> Ilan Omar, Minnesota Congresswoman, Israel has hypnotized the world. May Allah... Now you notice Allah here is with a small a? That's because Allah is not another name for Yahweh. Different God. The only time I'm going to put a capital A on Allah if I'm starting a sentence with it. That's it. Otherwise, he's not getting a big A. I'm sorry, not from me. May Allah awaken the people and help them see the evil doings of Israel. This was something she uh, tweeted in 2012 before she was in office. And then recently she said, I believe and support the BDS movement and have fought to make sure people's right to support it isn't criminalized. So she's going to fight in Congress, she's going to fight in the, in the, in the U.S. government to uh, continue pushing uh, pro-BDS uh, legislation and pro-BDS uh, uh, and, and getting together with more pro-BDS people. And you probably guessed it by now. There's the connection. Linda Sarsour is here to stay, and you gotta, you got, you gotta, you gotta watch, watch this lady. Uh, just pray for her salvation. We are starting to witness the institutionalization of anti-Semitism in American politics. There's a shift, friends. There's a shift right now. It's changing. Government-sponsored Jew hatred is becoming the new normal. We have an administration, friend of Israel. But within the administration, we are starting to see 
a new normal of Jew hatred. And it's going to continue to grow. Why? Because I said so. No, because the Bible says so. Even America is going to go against Israel. And that doesn't mean that all Americans will. We never want to paint with broad strokes. But America eventually will turn against Israel. Irrationally, you know, I just, just I had to add this. This is because it, it's, it's mind-boggling. Irrationally, the Jews are the only people in the world ever accused of being both capitalist and communist. Think about it. How is that possible? Because we're the scapegoats of humanity. Anything you can just pin on us, that's it. So, let's move to universities because we need to keep moving here. Most U.S. universities have student bodies that support BDS and even vote to pass sanctions against Israeli products or people. Over 1,400 U.S. professors, universities and colleges, support BDS, are very vocal about it. They organize pro-Palestinian uh, 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 conferences, invite people from, from sometimes terrorists, connected with terrorists. Uh, UCI is notorious. You see uh, Irvine, I used to have a book table over there. I used to go to their hate fest in March every year. And uh, I even took the mic one year to ask a question to somebody and I got booed out by the whole crowd. It was, it was quite scary. So UCI is a, is a, bad, a good example, a bad example. 1,400 professors. They receive help from pro-Palestinian groups such as Students for Justice in Palestine or Jewish Voice for Peace. Now, when people, uneducated people, and maybe some of you don't know those groups, when you hear Jewish Voice for, for Peace, you're going like, that sounds good. Hey, listen, I'm a Jewish Voice for Peace. Peace in Yeshua. I'm Jewish. I speak up for peace. I introduce Yeshua to people, and without him, there's no peace. From that perspective, it's good. This is not them. Jewish Voice for Peace is a group of, of people, Jews and non-Jews, but it's, it's, it's got some Jewish people uh, in, in, in this group, and they are, they say, end U.S. military, end Israel, end the occupation. You know, when people come to me, my own people telling me, you're not a Jew anymore. You're a Christian now. You, you denied the faith. You, you lost the right to call yourself a Jew because you believe in Jesus. I mean, 36 years of hearing that, okay? And in every shape, every color, I couldn't even use some of the words, Okay? I've, I've heard it all. But I'm, I haven't felt any more Jewish than since I found my Messiah. These people that are Jews who are going against Israel or said that Israel shouldn't exist, those are the Jewish people that should be shamed. Not those who find their Messiah. Just saying. Okay, here comes the place where you might have to get rid of some of your music. This, this could be the last time I'm invited. Somebody said, true. I hope it's true about the music, not true about my invitation. Okay, entertainment. Many artists choose to boycott Israel or put pressure on those who don't boycott Israel. Among the artists boycotting Israel, you have Roger Waters. For those of you of a certain age, like myself, you remember Roger Waters being the front man for the Pink Floyd. Uh, Carlos Santana, Peter Gabriel, Elvis Costello. Some of you might not know these people. Some of you might. That's okay. But they're big names. There are more big names. Uh, you know, I, I challenge you. Google somebody. Type their name. Type, you know, so-and-so in Israel. So-and-so in BDS. So-and-so in Palestine. And find out what it says. If you don't know if you can trust it or not, email me. And I will tell you. And hopefully you'll believe me. It's It's scary. But here is one point I'm trying to make here. 
these, all these different venues boycotting Israel or trying to boycott Israel and forcing other people to boycott Israel. How about we start boycotting the boycotters? We have to start doing that. You will be surprised the difference we can make. There are, there are mu there's music I don't listen to anymore. I, I, some of those guys I really like. There's other that I didn't like that I didn't like even more. And I'm struggling with that, but I just, you know what? I don't want to give them any money. There are artists, there are uh, uh, um, actors. There's a lot of actors that do not support Israel. They are very nasty against Israel. I won't go see their movies. It could be a, a, a it could win 15 Oscars. I don't care. It's we have to start standing for you know we can, we've got to put our money where our mouth is. It, it it's not going to get any better. So go home and get rid of your music. No no no. Don't don't. May the Lord lead you to do the right thing. Author, we are going to academia now. We got to keep moving. Author Alice Walker, The Color Purple, refuses to have her book translated in Hebrew. She wrote that book, The Color Purple. The movie was made from the book. She will have it in any languages, and it's been many languages. It's a popular book. She doesn't want it. I will not have it in Hebrew. Okay. She endorses an anti-Semitic book, And the Truth Shall Set You Free, by, uh, I think he's British. I'm not sure. I don't know too much about him, but apparently he's written a very nasty book, uh, very anti-Semitic, David Ick. I don't know how to say his name. Ick, Ick, I don't know. I don't know. BDS co-founder Omar Barghouti received his PhD from Tel Aviv University. While he was working on his PhD, he was also spewing the venom of BDS around the world. But Israel let him do it. Because that's Israel, my friends. Freedom of speech, liberties, and... But he received his PhD. I'm not sure it's valid from his perspective. I don't know. I listed a website, you'll see on the notes, you can't see it on the screen, www.uscbi.org, which has a lot of BDS information. I don't support it. It's a website for your information outside of the other links I could send you. Churches. Okay, before we talk about those five denominations, and there are more, let me start by what we see on, what, what, I, what I put on the bottom. Never, never paint with broad strokes. When denominations support BDS, not all their parishioners necessarily follow suit. Okay? We have, to, we have to be honest with that. Okay? Somebody from a Presbyterian Church USA, for instance, half of the denominations split in 2014 when they voted in favor of BDS. Half of the denomination. Some said, okay, we're with you. Some started their own PC USA, whatever they call themselves, they said, no, I, we, we can't support that. There was a big split, okay? So give them credit. And all those churches, it's the same. You're going to find people from the United Methodist. You talk to a friend at work or, yeah, yeah I'm a United Methodist. Oh, yeah, yeah, you guys, don't, you hate Israel. I, uh, you don't know that. Get to know the person. Get to know their heart. By the same token, you can find people in a supporting church that loves Israel. There might be people who don't like Israel. It goes both ways. So we have to be careful. We don't want to generalize. That's what I'm saying. But these are the denominations that have a tendency to support the BDS movement. So you need to know that. Is BDS unbiased? Some of the countries that are human rights violators are, and not affected by boycott like Israel. Some of them, not all of them. China, Saudi Arabia, Venezuela, Yemen, Turkey, Syria, Russia. The modern BDS movement only targets Israel. Yet, all those countries, plenty of reasons to target them, to boycott them. But that's not mentioned. So, yes, it is biased, very biased. Uh, is BDS anti-Semitic? 
Here's a quote from a professor of uh, Cal State University in Stanislaus, California. His name is Assad Abu Khalil, and he says, The real aim of BDS is to bring down the state of Israel. That should be stated as an unambiguous goal. There should not be any equivocation on the subject. Justice and freedom for the Palestinians are incompatible with the existence of the state of Israel. He's being honest. He's saying it like it is. That's the real goal of BDS. Another man, uh, John Spritzler, author and BDS activist, I think the BDS movement will gain strength from forthrightly explaining why Israel has no right to exist. That is the real goal of BDS. Okay? Let me keep going here. How dangerous is BDS? Well, there, BDS, the people that support BDS, the people that are behind BDS are connected. Uh, they have ties with Hamas. They have ties with Palestine Islamic Jihad. They have ties with the Popular Front for Liberation of Palestine. All three, more, but all, those three are all terrorist organizations. They have the same goal that is the dismantling of the Jewish state, the eradication of Israel from the map, and the complete destruction of all Jews. And here is why it's getting crazy and it's moving forward. Until recently, the ties were just ideological. Now they're operational. What I mean by that is, until recently, people agreed, yeah, I, I agree with your fight, I agree with your struggle, I support your, your movement. Now, these people not only share the same ideology, but... What I mean by operational, you have people in government pushing the BDS, like I just showed you, in U.S. government. And you think it's going to stop at three? No. What do you think there's only three? How about all the ones we don't know that are within the government? So this is not a conspiracy theory. This is, you know, it's starting to show its true colors. Believers are being used as puppets in a ploy to legitimize the destruction of Israel. A lot of Believers within churches, not your church, you're very educated thanks to your, uh, your wonderful leader who does his homework with the Bible and with current events and how to look at both from, from a godly perspective. So I, I'm very, very grateful for uh, Pastor Tom. So how do we fight BDS as believers? I want to wrap this up because we, re, we, we, had to get, we have to get done here. Otherwise, the chili is going to get cold. I agree with you, by the way. How can you be American and not like chili? I love chili. So, where was I? Okay. <laughs> fighting BDS biblically and fighting BDS practically. Just a few big picture biblically. And I'm just going to give you the anchor, the, 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 uh, the address of where it is. But I'm not going to read them because I want to save time. And we need to wrap this up. It's all in the notes. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. The whole chapter, the whole book of Genesis is so foundational for the rest of the Bible. So much is in the book of Genesis. Really, when you look at, at the, uh, the, the Torah, there's so much foundation for understanding the rest of the Bible. Uh, think just a one chapter. If you do not understand, it's not in your notes, so pay attention. If you do not understand Deuteronomy 28, you do not understand the rest of God's plan for Israel and for mankind. Read Deuteronomy 28 tonight. You'll know what I mean by that. But uh, uh, Genesis 12, when God makes a promise to Abraham and eventually ratifies that into a covenant in the chapters after that, in that promise we see that to Abraham and through Abraham he is going to give a land, a seed, and a blessing. So we need to do this. We need to stand strong on the promises of God, the promises that cannot change because God doesn't change, and His Word stands forever. So 
We need to stand strong on the promises of God. Genesis 12. Another one is Genesis 15. I will not read it. It's in your notes. All the different parts of the Middle East that form Israel as we'll see it in the Millennial Kingdom. Much bigger than today. It hasn't been realized yet. It will be fulfilled, realized in the future in the Millennial Kingdom. That is a promise from God. This is a specific piece of land unconditionally granted to the Jewish people. Yet in the Torah, God also says to the Jewish people, this land belongs to me. So Jewish people don't be too cocky. Yes, he gave us the land, he gave us the, the, the deed, but originally the land is God's land. Okay? Continuing with 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 16, that's where you find the Davidic covenant, the covenant that God made with David for an eternal and unconditional dynasty, nation, and sovereignty promised to King David. Through that we see King Messiah coming down the line. So the Davidic covenant is part of the seed blessing, the covenant that comes from the Abrahamic covenant. We have the Abrahamic covenant, three covenants coming out of, uh, uh, out of the Abrahamic covenant. I don't have time to develop this tonight, but they're connected. And I have more notes. If you email me, I have a whole set of notes on the covenants of the Bible. I will gladly send that to you as well. Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, the promise of a new covenant and the salvation of Israel. That's where God makes a new covenant with the church. Are you listening? Yes. It's not what it says. You should have said no. no. He makes a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Right. What about the church? What about the Christians? You're grafted in. Don't panic. Romans 9, 10, 11, you're in. You're in. We're all in. How, how do we get in? Jews and Gentiles? The sacrifice Yeshua, the blood of Messiah for your sins and my sins. Free gift. You accept it, you're in the family of God. It's that simple. Anybody can do it by just asking Yeshua in their heart. In this room tonight, online tonight, anyone. That's all you need to do. Jews and Gentiles. But God made a covenant, a new covenant with the Jewish people. I want to end with one very important point. I'm going to skip the rest of that passage. You'll read it on your own. Nehemiah 8, 1 through 8, after the Babylonian captivity, they return, the Jewish people return, and Ezra is reading the Bible, reading the word, you know, probably the, the, you know, the Torah to them. And uh, a lot of them didn't know what he was doing, didn't know what he was reading because he'd been gone. They had, not, you know, they, it's, they had lost the touch. And at the end, it says, the end of the passage, they read from the book, they read, they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. They had to be explained to what it meant. Our responsibility to teach and disciple is critical. What I've shared with you tonight, what I'm about to, to close here tonight, you need to take this to your children, your grandchildren, your students if you're in school, if you're teachers, your co-workers, your families, your friends, other churches. You need to take this. It is our responsibility to teach and disciple others. Why should we keep this to ourselves? Acts 8, 29, 30, Philip and the eunuch. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join this chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch said, no, I don't. I don't have a clue. And then Philip explained to him and showed him Yeshua in Isaiah. It is our responsibility to teach and disciple. We have to take this seriously. Remember, we have to engage the culture. We have to so engage the culture, learn about the culture. We have to become 
we have to stop only being consumers but also become producers. We have to change that. And we have to teach and disciple. If we don't, what's the risk? Well, the Bible tells us. Judges 2.10. All that generation also gathered to their father, also were gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. If we don't do anything, this current young generation is already on its way to not know anything. They go to colleges and they get deprogrammed, indoctrinated into whatever you want to call it, but not the Bible, not conservative uh, ideas, uh, not pro-Israel. All of that is going to come from you, from the home, from the church. But we have to start doing it. We have to start taking it seriously. In the process of doing all this, we have to do it praying like Yeshua when he tells us in Matthew 5.44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Yeshua didn't say, for, we read in the rest of the Bible sometimes, for as long as it is in your, in your power, get along with people. In Romans we read that. You know, if, it's, if, if you can, get along with people. Do the best you can. Yeshua said, do the best you can. He didn't say, do the best you can to pray for your enemies. He didn't say that. It's a command. Pray, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you. We don't have a choice. It's a command, okay? So that's what we need to remember in the midst of all this. And finally, last slide. Finally, it's true. This is my conclusion. Very rarely do I say this is my conclusion, and it really is my conclusion. But I'm looking at the clock, and it better be my conclusion. You've been so gracious. Fighting BDS practically use their own research. Buy the Israeli products. I've said that before. Buy Israeli. And, and people say, well, how do I do it? Super easy. Go to the BDS website. Look at all the stuff they said don't buy. They've done no work for you. Super easy. Okay? Defend the truth about Israel and the Jewish people by familiarizing yourself with BDS rhetoric. We've done some of that tonight. It's my prayer that maybe I explain a few things and you can take some home and you can share with others and support the economy by visiting Israel. Well, I know that this is actually something that you guys do on a regular basis, so I'm not too worried about that one. So the BDS boycott, divestment, sanction, no. The Christian BDS is buy, defend, and support. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for, uh, for giving us your word, your promises, your word that never changes, that stands forever. And we know that, uh, that Lord, we know that this, there's no way looking at the way the world is going that, that your return is too far down the road, Lord. We don't set dates. We don't know. We have to keep busy with the gospel and share. But, but we know, Lord, that, that you're coming back soon because this world is so, so, so sick right now. We need, we need to come but until you come, Lord, we want to do whatever we can to bring as many as possible to you to become children of God. So, Lord, uh, help us be bold with the truth. Help us be bold as we fight BDS with the truth. And also, Lord, help us love our enemies, which is not easy because in the flesh we have a tendency not to. Help us do that, Lord. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people here, for the love for Israel, for my people, and for our ministry. May God bless you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. 
Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.